Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everything is green. Giant mountain full of trees, small rivers, little streams, and bamboo huts where I was born. At night, in my hut, I would look up through the ceiling and could see the stars in the sky. But it was all surrounded by the wire fence where I, where I was born and raised at Mela refugee camp in Thailand. My parents had fled Sevewar from Burma and so of my life, the parameters of the camp were all I knew. I was with 40 other students in a bamboo hunt where I could see holes of the school roof. Outside, people could see us. After school, I would tie together rubber bands and play jump rope. Together, my siblings and I would swim in small river and forage for vegetables in the jungle for our pigs. At 12 years old though, my parents told me that I would be going to the United States, a place that I never heard before. I didn't believe them though, because whenever one of my relatives got to leave the camp, my parents convinced me to stay and promise a treat. So I thought this was the same thing. I didn't believe them until the interview started and there were so many stamps and medical testing. Suddenly, a year later, I was at the airport. I was running back and forth and had never been on a plane before. Suddenly, I was on an airplane. As the older sisters who has to look after my siblings, I wanted to seem tough, even though I was so scared. As the plane was lifted, lifting out into the air, there were strange sounds. Bing, 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 and shaking. And even though I was so nervous, I tried to keep it cool for my siblings. <laughs> As we got off the plane at the Los Angeles airport, I saw the restroom sign and saw a lot of people going, men, women. I didn't know the difference between the two. I thought it was a restroom, like a real actual restroom. <laughs> my dad came in, my mom came in, my siblings came in. And we didn't know how it worked. And the kids were crawling under stalls. <laughs> and we didn't know what flushing was. And the woman who put on her makeup gave us a strange look. <laughs> Finally, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, my last stop. It was super hot outside. And my family was wondering, and did you think this was the United States? Wow, did they send us to a desert? There, there was a two-bedroom apartment ready for us that the refugee resettlement agency had prepared. My siblings and I were so excited. I was jumping up and down on my bed and running the water in the faucet and play with soap. The bed was so soft. I never had a bed or a mattress as soft as cotton back in the camp. In the camp, we didn't have any running water, electricity, 
basic education, and limited health care. My older brother and I entered in ninth grade together. The school was huge, and there were lots of students. The school hallway was loud and crowded with lots of students. I couldn't communicate to anyone. I didn't speak to anyone. I felt like I was an outcast. The only friend I had was my brother. At lunchtime, I would point to different foods because I didn't know how to say them in English, even though I really wanted to be able to say them. One day at lunch, I really wanted a hamburger, but I didn't know how to say it, even though I badly wanted to. So I pointed at the glass, and the lunch lady went, uh-uh, uh-uh, I will give you the food until you say it, and stop pointing at the glass. I didn't even know what hamburger is. There is no one to talk to or get help. I wanted to cry if I saw her. I didn't want to eat lunch. I wanted to bring my own food from home. On one of the hardest days, my mom and I tried to go on a bus and to find my aunt house for help to go to the supermarket because we were running out of food and we don't know, we don't know how to get any. Instead, I ended up at a red stop and walking on foot for many miles, many miles in the, on a highway in the heat as cars passed by me. My mom forced me to ask for a stranger phone, and I was burning inside with anger, not be able to speak English. I walked for four hours in the heat, and my mom jokingly complained that I can smell my, I can smell my hair is burning now in the heat of 110 degrees in Phoenix. <laughs> Physically and emotionally, I was so drained and exhausted. I felt, like, I felt like a loser and helpless. I missed the refugee camp because this new life felt like a wonderland. In the camp, I had lots of friends. I can speak to anyone where everyone could understand me. By the time my senior year came, I didn't graduate. I felt so miserable and hopeless. My family moved to Iowa in 2013 because one of my brother lives in Iowa. I decided, I decided that I needed to graduate and get a degree. I realized that if I don't have the education, my life in this country will be much more complicated. I decided to go to school so I could help my parents and other fellow refugees more effectively. I have strong role models in my family, but my parents didn't have the ability to provide the knowledge and opportunity for me because they didn't even have the, the education opportunity for themselves. I know I can do this. I want to accomplish this not only for myself, but so I can be someone others can count on and be useful. I went to Hoover High School in Des Moines, where I attended ESL classes, along with other fellow refugees from different countries. The ESL teachers were so supported, and they made us stay after school to make our missing assignment 
remain from tutory. Everything was so different and clear from the school I used to go. I started to make friends from ESL classmates and I also joined the after-school activity to play tennis. I really liked it. I felt like I was a part of the school. I had friends. I didn't know what I was doing 100% of the time, but I knew who to go to. <laughs> Before, I felt like I was in a tiny, tiny bubble and isolated, but now I was free. In 2013, I walked across the stage, wore a cap and gown, and shook the principal hand. It was the biggest pride and honor of my life. My family was so excited. My family was so excited that I had a complete high school diploma. I started working at West Fargo and decided to go to DMEC to get my associate in human services. Right now, I am a work-ready navigator at a bark to help refugees community to navigate the, the, the Iowa workforce systems and get jobs. I remember my parents I remember my parents wanted to make their voices heard, but they couldn't. Seeing my parents' hardship motivated me to go to school and get a degree so I could help them, support them, and build the capacity for self-sufficiency. Now I'm the first generation to graduate from college. I myself alone wouldn't be able to make it where I am today. I'm very thankful to my friends, families, and teachers who guided and supported me throughout the process. Overcoming the language barriers, adapted to a new culture, and discovering new life in this wonderland was extremely difficult, but the determination kept me going. Now, now I want to go into social work at the University of Iowa so I could help people and give them a voice. I want to help refugees community to navigate the hardship, the hardship that I also had to go through. Be persistent and keep persevering because all obstacles have solution to your problems. Offering a helping hand can make the difference and change someone's life. Thank you. <laughs>